Amen. Well, God is good. You know, before, before I launch into my message, just let me share this with you. Uh, sometime during the night, my mother went to be with Jesus. And, uh, and you know, I don't want anybody feeling bad. She, she just, she was, she made it on time for church today. It was great. And, uh, and really, the mercy of God is, uh, we're just at awe. You know, uh, she had pulmonary embolisms, multiple heart attacks, major colon surgery. We asked her yesterday if she was in any pain. She said, my tummy hurts a little bit right down here. That's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, last night, uh, <laughs> just, she just wanted to be with Jesus, I think. And when we told her it was okay, she said, well, I guess I have to decide. And then she did. <laughs> God's been good to me. Amen. Amen. I think we ought to give God one more hand, don't you? Thank you. Amen. Well, this morning it might seem like I'm going to read a lot. <laughs> Just be thankful that's what I did. Okay. Uh, mainly, though, because I, I have some stuff, and, and, and honestly, this, this is life-changing. I hope that you'll get it. And if I stay right on track, we'll be done right on time. If I wander around the platform a lot, just get out your suitcase because we're going to hang in here. But uh, how many of you know that God expects us to grow in our gifts? God, God expects you to grow in your gifts. And, uh, you know, it, it, there, there's all kinds of scripture to back it up. But just think about the, uh, you know, the story of the talents and, and uh, you know, the, the guys that multiplied what they had been entrusted with were rewarded. The guy that didn't, you know, he, he well, it, things didn't go real well. And, and the thing is, is that God has deposited things inside of each of us, and he wants us to grow them. Amen? And this morning, we're going to go right back to where we were last week, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And there's some scripture we jumped over last week so that we could preach it this week. And I just want to start reading at verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Stephen brought out the point that, uh, you know, we're not looking for some prophet to come by and anoint us. Jesus asked the Father and the Father sent the Holy Spirit and he has anointed you. So, uh, you know, look at somebody and tell them, I am anointed. Look the other way. Say, I have the anointing. And they said anointing, not annoying. Okay. Uh, what, we, what we need to do is embrace the fact God has anointed our lives. Verse 14, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented and troubled him. A lot of us would probably like to take some time and discuss that. If you don't understand how an evil spirit from the Lord would come, ask your girl group leader, and they'll tell you all about it. Uh, most, scholars, most scholars believe that what it, what it refers to is that the Lord allowed it. Uh, there's a lot of debate on that, but we're just going to read the Bible today. The spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. An evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Some of you guys being tormented thinks it's the devil. Maybe it's God dealing with your life. Saul's servant, verse 15, said to him, Behold, an evil spirit from God tormented you. So 
uh, let our Lord now command your servants here before you to find a man who plays skillfully on the lyre. And when the evil spirit from God is upon you, he can play and you will be well. And Saul told his servants, find me a man who plays well and bring him to me. One of the young men said, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who plays skillfully, a valiant man, a man of war, prudent in speech and eloquent, an attractive person, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, a kid, and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and served him. You might underline that. Just try that sometime. David came to Saul and served him. Giving you time to underline. David came to Saul and served him. Well, I don't serve man. It's funny. Most of the people in the Bible that were serving God were serving people. Saul became very fond of him, and he became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he pleases me. And when the evil spirit from God was on Saul, David took out the lyre and played it. And so uh, Saul was refreshed and became well, and the evil spirit left him. Question today, are you growing in your gift? God expects us to grow in our gifts. Have you ever come across somebody that is just ridiculously gifted? It's like, it's like they've been to the river in tennis shoes, and when they walk, it's, and it's just gifting, squirting out everywhere. And, and they just, it's all over them. And, it's just like, and people think thoughts, you know, when they see people like that, they, wow, they're just so lucky. Or thoughts like this, I, you know, I wish I could play the guitar like Tony. I, I, I wish I could dunk the basketball like, or I wish I could, and, and thoughts like, uh, that guy would probably never have to work a day in his life. People often see the gift, but they rarely see the grind. And I'm telling you, it, you know, it's kind of like everybody wants to watch certain basketball players dunk the ball. Hardly anybody wants to watch them do squats. But if they're going to dunk the ball, they're probably going to have to do some squats. We are overwhelmed by the gift. We overlook the grind. We talk about David, whether you're in the church or out of the church, everybody's, wow, David killed Goliath. But have you ever even considered the strategic maneuvering and the disciplined development that had to take place in order to get him positioned for one moment of greatness? Some stuff had to happen. God has anointed you. Yeah, but God called him. God has called you, but God ordained him. God has ordained you. The question is, will you participate with God? Just because God put a deposit in you doesn't mean it's going to come out of you. In order for the deposit that God put inside of you to come out and change the world around you, you're going to have to do something to make it work. you got to develop what God has deposited. In these scriptures we read, there's a few words that just come to mind as I study them, and I just want to share it with you this morning. The first word is diligence. Everybody say diligence. diligence. Think about it. How many hours you think David had to practice the harp to reach the point that when the king needed a personal musician, he was the first guy they thought of. How many, how many miles you think David drugged that harp across the sand out in the desert watching sheep? How many miles did he drag that sucker working on new chord progressions so that he could get good at it? 
You know, how, how many movie nights did he have to say, no, can't go, got to practice? How, how much time did he invest in the gift that God had given him? Well, yeah, but he, it was a gift, right, that he developed. We see the gift in full operation a lot of times, and we totally forget about the grind it takes to get the gift ready. Jeremiah 1.5 is an amazing verse. It says that God had a dream about the future, and he used that. What he saw, he saw where you fit, and he used that to begin to shape and mold your life to prepare you to fit in that perfect spot. He made you unique, totally separated from anybody else on the planet, and then he empowered you to fulfill his dream. But he's given you everything. The Bible says that we have received all things that pertain to life and godliness. One translation says that he has already equipped us to live a life that pleases God. He's put inside of you what you need to succeed, but you have to develop what he's put in there. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts and the plans that God has for you, says the Lord. Uh, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God's got a plan for your life, but you still have to participate with that plan. And it's going to require diligence to get it done. Hello, somebody. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we might do those good works which God predestined or planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. God's done a lot of prearranging in your life. And you've got to recognize it, and you've got to look at everything that's coming to your life, everything that's been deposited, and you've got to get diligent in developing that gift. The room is full of undeveloped gifts. Yeah, yeah, can I just tell you, I don't have time to be nice today. i just got to be me. And the reality is, is that, you know, I, 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 just, I just want to be like your coach and tell you that the life God has for you is the best life possible for you, but you're going to have to get involved and live it. And you, you, you got to look inside of you and find the gifts that God's put in you. And, and if you never, through diligence, develop the deposit that God's put in you, you'll never discover the destiny God prepared for you, and he prepared it before you were even born. But you, well, I'm waiting on God to do some stuff. You better get diligent and do some stuff yourself. Hello, somebody. A lot of us want the benefit of the gift without the burden of diligence. Tell Todd, oh, I want your Harley. Or you tell Keith, I want your Mustang. Either one of them could look at you and say, would you take the payments too? See, a lot of us want product, but we don't want the payments. And the, the deal is, is that the gifts of God come with payments. It's going to cost you something. You know, you ought to get a little tag uh, that's connected to, to the gifts when God gives you your gift so you can see it. And it says, some assembly required. you got to put some stuff together in your life. Hello, somebody. You know, you look at a gifted person and you're thinking, well, God gave it to them. Yeah, but they put it together. I said they put it together. God has anointed you. That's the deposit but you've got to do something with it. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.14, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You didn't earn it. You're not even sure why you're good at it. It's just a part of who you are, but now you've got to develop it. 
You don't know why hospitality seems attractive to you. You are not sure why hospitality makes you feel good. You don't even mind opening your home. In fact, you like it. But you still got to get out a broom and a mop, and you got to get the place ready, and you got to put something in the oven, and you got to take it. You got to develop the gifts God's given you. Hello? You know, uh, th- there was a piece of ground, a story long time ago, a piece of ground on top of a mountainside, steep hillsides on all directions surrounding it. But he went up there and he found just this beautiful lot of ground on the top. It was covered with weeds and, and, and it wasn't much there, but he decided that he would tear into that and he, he tore out all of the weeds and he broke up the ground and he planted himself a garden. And he had to carry the water up there for his garden by five-gallon buckets and it was a lot of buckets every day climbing up and down the side of that hill. And he was growing all kinds of stuff, but the cabbages he was growing, they were awesome. They grew big old cabbages the size of an ape's head. And people all over the countryside began to celebrate this dude's cabbages. One day he took a guy from his church up there to show him and he got up there and it took him half an hour just to get up there because the guy had a hard time getting up the hillside and when he got up there he was showing it to him and the guy from church looked at him and said, wow. He said, man, this is sure a piece of beautiful ground God gave you. What do you think of my garden? He said, it's a beautiful garden that God's given you. What do you think of those cabbages? Those are awesome cabbages. and you, you need to be giving God the glory. You should give God the glory for the land, give God the glory for the garden, give God the glory for those cabbages. And he looked at him and said, you should have seen this ground when God had it by himself. Come on. God has put it in you, but you got to develop it and bring it out. Hello, somebody. Look at somebody. Tell them, work your field. A lot of us want everything without doing anything to it. We want to, we, we, we picture ourselves reaching up to God, stre- arms stretched high, reaching to God to get our hands on something. And God wants you to reach in and dig deep and find what he's already given you and develop that gift. When was the last time you sat down with somebody who does something better than you and asked them, teach me how to think? Well, you know, if you don't think differently, you're not going to get a different result. You know, when was the last time you went to somebody and said, you know, obviously you're better at this parenting thing. Teach me how to think. Or you're better with finances. You need to help me change the way I think. If you don't change the way you think, you're never going to have more. You know, I think we're afraid to admit we think wrong. We're under the impression that if we say I think wrong, what I'm saying is I'm stupid. No, you're not stupid when you, when you know it. You're stupid when you know it but don't want anybody else to because they all know it already. Look at your neighbor and say, we already know. (laughs) Listen to me. David didn't get called to play the harp because he loved God. He got called to play the harp because he played the harp well. He was good at it. It's amazing how many times we'll bring something to God is absolutely no good. Look at verse 16. Let our Lord now command your servant here before you to find a man who plays skillfully. Notice it says who plays skillfully. It doesn't say who prays skillfully. I know I'm going to mess with some religious mindsets here in a minute. 
Let's find a man who can play. Look at verse 17. Saul told his servants, find me a man who plays well. He didn't say, find me a man who prays well. They didn't pick David based on his love for God. Look at it, verse 18. I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who plays skillfully, a valiant man, a man of war, prudent in speech, eloquent. He's attractive. Oh, and by the way, the Lord is with him. Maybe the most important thing about David was the last thing they mentioned. How did they know that God was with him? Because he was excellent at what he did because God made him capable, and he, through diligence, developed that gift. The second word I want to talk about is excellence. You've got to maximize your potential, grow your gift. It takes diligence and commitment to excellence in order to fulfill this. Well, you know, when we started ministry years ago, people would say, well, just love God, and it'll all work out. Well, that's dumb, because I know a lot of people who love God, and it ain't working out. Just love, that's a belief system that will mess you up. That's a belief system. Shorten it up. That's a BS. People all across America today, right now, in churches, on the platform, singing songs that ought not to be anywhere near a microphone. Why? Well, their heart's right. Well, their heart can be right on the fourth row. If you're not going to do it with excellence, don't do it. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching to me right now. Tell him. I'll tell you something about God that you should already know. God likes good stuff. Ever read your Bible? God's creation process, everything he made, he said, it is everything he's doing. He said, it is good. Why in the world will we try to pass off a bunch of crap on God? We give him half-hearted attempt at something and say, it doesn't even really matter. Well, I'm telling you that that is not excellent. David didn't get the job because his heart was in the right place. He got the job because he was excellent. He didn't get the job because he had a fish on his card or a giant cross planted in the front yard. We all try to separate spirituality from skill, and the reality is, is that they ought to go together. And that's why the world looks at the church most of the time and thinks it's a joke. Because we're coming in here and pretending that stuff's good when it ain't good. It just ain't good. Hello, somebody. You know, well, he's doing it for the right reasons. He sucks. If you're going to play Christian music, it ought to be good. Hello, somebody. Do it with great skill and excellence and for all the right reasons. Now you got something. You know, the reality is, is and, and you know, uh, we're kind of, we're crazy. Because, you know, we go out and, and, and we're really into the gear. You know, get all the gear. You know, going to go golfing, and, 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 and we, we buy, you know, a $500 driver. You're going to go bowling, and you, and you buy, a, you know, the most expensive ball you can find. You're gonna, whatever you do, you get all this gear. You do not need the gear if you don't have the game. And listen to me, parents. You don't need to buy your children $200 cleats until they have some game. That explains some stuff? Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I made myself laugh hard on the inside. You know, and think about it. This, this is so true in every aspect of life. You, you ought to be the best. 
you know, you ought to be the best, but especially the stuff we're doing for God. I mean, he's an excellent God. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name. Well, then what, he, what we bring to him ought to be excellent. I mean, think about it. If you're going to park cars, you ought not stand out in the middle of the parking lot and talk to the other parking attendants. You ought to be parking cars with excellence. If you're going to greet people, be happy. Welcome to the garden. You know, we, we don't have that, but I'm just, that's why it's easy to use. You know, you know but if you, if you want to be a greeter because you need a hug, the guy that needs a hug, ain't nobody wanting to hug him. Why? He's too stinking needy. You know, you, you, you need to get in the prayer closet and get free or something. You know, and it, you know you're going to work the computer and put the words up. Do it, do it well. You know, be the best. Don't just, don't just, well, we, well, well, learn it. You know, you're going to run the soundboard? Learn it. You're going to play an instrument? Know where your stupid chord's at. It's your chord, your instrument, right? You know, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to bring out water, I think you ought to be the best water person in the world. The Bible, the Bible says that, uh, you know, it's, it's better to, you know, uh, there's blessings on the person who, who gives a servant a cold drink of water. But this half-hearted, lazy attitude that we get towards God is a disgrace. So, so, I, I know. I know what you're thinking. We'll be kind to him. He's in a hard time. Good. I'll go a little deeper. <laughs> you're going to be all half-hearted about serving God. That's a disgrace. And you need to understand the word disgrace. Grace is not a blanket that you get to hide under, but it's an empowering agent that empowers you to do what you couldn't do before. So there's an anointing that comes to you so that you can accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. And dis is the prefix, which means to push down or press out of. So if the enemy can get you to come with a half-hearted mentality towards servant serving God, he will push you out of the anointing that is required to successfully pull off what God's called you to do. And I got to tell you this too, that you cannot consistently perform a task that's inconsistent with your character. So if you learn to serve God half-heartedly, guess what we know about you? You do the job at work half-heartedly too. You're, you're, a, you're half-hearted in the way that you treat your spouse. You're half-hearted in the way that you're raising your kids. You're half-hearted in the way that you're dealing with your finances. You're half-hearted in everything. You're not half-hearted in one thing. You're half-hearted in everything. And if you're half-hearted, it's a disgrace. And if you're out of your anointing, then you're never going to succeed. You're going to get blown up before, before the battle even shows up. And you're not going to be able to demonstrate Satan's defeat because you're going to be crying all the time. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching good now. God is good. And if he's good, you ought to offer him something worthy of his goodness. Hello. Well, that's perfectionism. No, perfectionism is when you have to be good to make you look better. Excellence is not saying, I got to be the best. Excellence says, I got to bring my best. Do everything, the Bible says, everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. 
some days you just need to stop and ask yourself, really? I just did that as unto the Lord? I ought never do that again. Come on, if you're not going to do it with excellence, don't do it. But if it's in you, and especially if God's gifted you, come on, develop your gift. Look at Psalms 90, verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Listen, if you're going to ask God to build something great out of your life, you could at least give him decent lumber to build with. So make your life awesome. And I, I challenge you today, maybe, maybe first thing in the morning when you get up, look at what God's done, and you grade him. Does he get a C plus? No, for crying out loud. It's awesome. Well, then you should respond likewise. If the God of excellence resides in us, what do you think he desires from us? And if the world and the people around us are going to judge God by you, how are you making him look? Now, make him look good. Hello, somebody. The third word I need to talk about is the word uniqueness. Look at verse 18. One of the young men said, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who plays skillfully, and he's a valiant man or a brave man, a man of war. They said, think about what they said. We know a great harp player who's also a brave warrior. You know, remember that Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other? That's kind of this picture, isn't it? I mean, when was the last time you heard somebody talk about that we know this guy who can really play the harp who's also kicking booty at the MMA? You know, you sit and think hard. Who's somebody who can just shred a harp and kick booty? Tony. Okay, so we got it covered. Okay, I love this. It's like two abilities that don't actually go together. It's walking contradictions, and all of us have them. And I want to say this a couple of times so that you'll write it down. Callings become clear because of contradictions. Your calling becomes clear because of the contradictions in your life. Think about this for just a minute. David's ability to approach Saul regarding Goliath stemmed from his musical service, not from his warrior ability. Without developing his heart-playing gift, it wouldn't have opened the door for David to be in the presence of Saul. And without finding favor in the eyes of Saul, David would have never been able to come when Goliath was taunting the nation. David couldn't have gotten presence with the king. It wasn't his ability to fight that opened the door. It was his ability to play. If he hadn't developed that heart-playing skill, he would have never got that job. That job opened the door for a moment in purpose and destiny. However, if he hadn't have developed his warrior skill out there at the same time, he would have gone to face Goliath playing flight of the bumblebee on a harp. <laughs> so there's a bunch of different gifting that God had put in him. He had to be diligent and excellent in all of it. He's unique. He's not like anybody else. Look at somebody, tell him, you're weird. 
You know what? You are weird. I'm weird. I, but you gotta, you got to embrace that and quit trying to fit in and be like everybody else. The reason you're not like everybody else is because you're unique. You know, you like stuff. Think about it. People like stuff that other people don't like. They put things together that don't really go together. Some of you people do weird stuff with peanut butter. You know, you, you take your peanut butter and slide a pickle in there. That's disgusting. But yet you like it, you know, or, or peanut butter and, and, and banana. That's just crazy. Look at these people. Yeah! Have you ever heard of jelly with turkey? Yeah, I like that. Okay, so, here, so here's the deal is that God likes weird stuff. God uses strange things, but for a purpose. It might seem weird to you, but it makes you useful to him. Well, I don't understand it. He does. You call it strange. He calls it purposed. Think about it. What you went to school for and the real job you have to make a living. And both of those working together for a purpose. Your upbringing and your current situation. All things working together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. See, God knew David would have a chapter 16 where he's playing the harp. And he also knew he'd have a chapter 17 where he's slaying a giant. But he knew he couldn't have one without the other. What we want you to do Live your life off the hook, not off the rack. Don't fit in. Stand out. Be who God's called you to be. And the last word I want to talk about real quick is the word experience. Verse 21, David came to Saul and served him. Saul became fond of him, and, be, and, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, let him remain in my service, for he pleases me. And uh, verse 23, and, and when the evil spirit from God was on Saul, David took the harp and played it, and Saul was refreshed and became well, and the evil spirit left him. You know, it's kind of funny. Chapter 16, let him stay here. He pleases me. Chapter 19, he's throwing spears at him. So you got to know that your greatness will also create your greatest challenges. So as you're developing your gift, just know it's probably going to create some problems. But develop it anyways. Because if you will allow it, God can arrange every experience in your life to serve his purpose. What you look back into the past with disgust, God can actually use that if you'll let him. And it'll be a great strength to your future. You, maybe you've been married seven times. You're on your seventh marriage. If you'll allow God to, he'll take those six failures and use them in a strength fashion so that you can help others so that they don't experience that much violence in their life. Maybe you've had financial ruin. If you'll allow God to use it, it'll be a strength in your future. Maybe you've had relational breakdowns and, or maybe you've gone through horrible abuse. If you'll allow God, he can take what the enemy intended for evil and he'll turn it and use it for good. But you can't hide it. You've got to develop it. 
I know great men of God who have gone through uh, similar tragedies. Some of them have been wiped out because they tried to cover it. Others have been promoted because they went ahead and let God use it, and they humbled themselves. Your experiences up to this point, you're thinking there ain't no way God could have been in it. Well, wait a minute. Story's not done yet. God can use all things together to work for good. That's his promise. That's his word. So you, you, you got to be diligent, and you got to have a commitment to excellence, and you got to embrace your uniqueness. But you can take your experiences and let God stack them on top of each other. And all of a sudden, your life's going to make sense like nobody else's. Your anointing is on you for a purpose. It's to fulfill his purpose. And if you'll allow God, he will use everything in your life. And your life will make other lives better. But you have to embrace it. You can't overlook your gifts. I said you can't overlook your gifts. You got to realize God knew what he was doing when he made you. You're not a screw up. You're not a mistake. God has a plan for your life and a purpose for you. Let him use you. You get committed to developing your gifts. Amen? Come on, give God one more hand this morning. Thank him. Thank you, Lord, for making us who we are. Amen. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. And before we leave today, we're going to pray one more prayer together. And and if you're in this room and you're not walking with God, maybe you never have, maybe you once did, the point is right now you're not walking with God. We want to give you an opportunity today to surrender your life, to commit your life to Jesus. I'm telling you, the best life possible is the life that God has prepared ahead of time, made ready for you to live. So if you're here in this room and you say, you know what, I'm really not walking with God, but I'll, 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 I'll surrender today. I'll commit my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to make this prayer your prayer. We're not going to embarrass anybody. We won't call you out or have you stand. But if you're here today and, and you'll make this prayer your prayer, I just want you, while nobody's looking around, hold your hand up so I can see it. I want to agree with you in prayer. And I just want you to say, yep, today's my day. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. So awesome. The best, best